Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. Hello, I'm Rafael Martinez, a minister within the Church of God Cleveland Movement and the director of Spirit Watch Ministries, a Christian outreach providing biblical discernment in a time of deception. Our podcast you've tuned into here is called, Where Are We Going? People are asking that kind of question more these days in the light of our present social struggles, and they're looking for answers wherever they think they can be found. Well, we believe that the Christian scriptures provide for us the clearest answers for the very questions that the world is posing. You can trust the Bible. In its pages, we read that Jesus, when asked about the end of the world, said most clearly that we should first take heed that no one deceive you. Spear Watch Ministries has been contending for the truth about where we are going since 1993, and we're thankful to have had the privilege to bring what insight we've been able to bring to it over the years. We offer biblical perspectives on our deceptive times of trouble that you just won't find anywhere else. And And we want to welcome all of our listeners from Amazon, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify, as well as the other podcast channels that have picked up our feed. Thanks for stopping by. We hope you'll bookmark us and return again next week when we release our next podcast each Saturday at midnight. It's easy to find us on the internet at our spiritwatch.org ministry website or on Facebook using the search term Spirit Watch Ministries. Links to them will be on our homepage and on our Facebook page for easy access with just a couple of mouse clicks. So bookmark us and share the links with friends, family, your minister, your construction crew. Help us build our our own audience here. Thank you. Cultic movements deploy deceptions across every aspect of human existence and disrupt so many lives all around us in settings that literally elbow us at the store, in our neighborhoods, on the job, and in our homes, and even our own family circles. Churches can harbor cultism quite easily, sadly, and even successfully and shamelessly pass themselves off with the self-promoting adjectives as being non-traditional and contemporary, even modern. It's the reason that the outrages within society that surface among questionable faith communities only after years, decades really, of intense operation behind the social doors of each movement ever actually occur. The so-called light of these groups is indeed a darkness that you will ignore at the spiritual and social peril of yourselves and the world around us that are also wondering where the church seems to be going. Once again, a dark narrative about the darkness within a thriving cult's twisted influence has to be told at the cost of the personal devastation of one life and as usual, that of a young woman who just wanted to do the right thing. And and uh, that is unfortunately the hallmark of cultism. Uh, it knows how to repress those who it can silence the most easily. And uh, women, unfortunately, are those beautiful creations of God who are so horribly mishandled, manhandled, and, and just 
totally ripped off by that kind of thing. But, um, but I'm so grateful though that, uh, there is a silver lining to all this. And I'm grateful that uh, a young woman who, that young woman that wanted to do the right thing, uh, her name is Iceland and she's here with us this evening. She's the sister of Oliver Long, who we interviewed in season two, episode 20. Uh, he told a portion of her story, which I think was, was absolutely, uh, uh, ghastly. And I've always hoped and prayed you would do well in moving beyond that. But I was surprised when, uh, when uh, you, you contact us saying you'd like to, like to share out of that, uh, that brokenness and just to what extent what you suffered as you submitted yourself to it, but where, how far you've come. And I'm so grateful that you're here to, uh, to help us understand a little more about how that's gone down your life, Aislinn. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I'm so grateful you're here. So tell us a little about yourself. I mean, I, I mean, when I get out of, when I get out of, we talk about everybody being ex-Xenos survivors and, and, and you are, uh, but you know, everyone I know of who's come out of Xenos has gone on and then they've, they've built themselves, um, you know, pretty good resistance. They've moved on. So, so uh, tell us a little more about yourself. What do you like to do and what are you doing yourself these days? Well, <laughs> now, I mean, now I'm a much, happier person and a much more put together person I am a mother of three cats who I love with my whole heart they're my little babies so anybody who knows me knows I talk about my cats way too much (laughs) um I love writing and reading and uh, documentaries spending time with friends and my family um yeah, there's there's a lot of things in my life that I'm very passionate about. So oh, good, good. Because we you know, you know, like I said, unfortunately, too many people don't always get there. Don't don't always get the taste of life back in them again after they leave a place mm-hmm. like Nailed. But I'm grateful that you and your brother and others are so many who are struggling for that and have done pretty pretty good. And I'm, yeah. I'm 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 grateful. I'm so grateful that you that you've made it there. So so um so and so doing. Uh, in, in moving your way out of something that obviously could have destroyed anybody's life, you, you, you're obviously able to, uh, successfully navigate a lot of the, uh, of the, of the things that you've had to suffer by yeah. being a member of Xenos, you know, and it's sad because when you think of a church, you think about a place where people are looking for God and wanting to be together with others, you, you think it'd be a positive, uh, a positive uplifting thing. Yeah, well, uh, and was was that how you 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 uh, you entered into it? How, how did you get involved with Xenos, and then uh, were you raised up in the church, or how did you actually you know get uh, into where they were, and and how did you start uh, becoming you know full on with them? Um, God, I've been involved with well, not anymore. Obviously, I was involved with Xenos for. Over two decades, um, I got involved when I was probably 10 or 11. Um, I started coming to, I think it was like their, it wasn't VBS, it was their whatever before junior high. Um, that was how I started. Then I moved on to junior high and, um, I just got very involved and very into it really off the cusp. Um, it was a big, big part of my life. I grew up, uh, I was homeschooled, so I didn't have a ton of stuff going on. I didn't have a big social outlet. Um, so Xenos very quickly became 
the central part of my life. And I, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home as well. Uh, so it fit in very, very easily, but yeah, it, I mean, I was drawn in almost immediately. I wanted friends and I wanted community and I wanted affirmation. Um, so that was about 10 or 11. I started coming out. Okay. So how did you, how, okay, you were raised in a Christian home, you were a homeschooled. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say homeschooled children are sheltered, but you know, of course there's, there's certain, um, limitations. I mean, there's just, there's things they don't necessarily get along with. And like you said, one of them being uh, a lot more social contact, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how did you, is that how, I mean, you, you mentioned you're, you're in that lifestyle, but there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but what, how did you get involved? What, what, what drew you out of the circle you were in towards Xenos? We started coming out. <clears throat> um, <laughs> it's super weird. My mom would volunteer at a state park and we would camp there like eight months out of the year. And because oh. we were in school, yeah, we could stay there with her. Um, and I made like a ton of friends and met a lot of people doing that. And two of the little boys that I had met, their parents were involved in Xenos. Um, and so that was kind of how it had happened. And then when we came back in the fall, we started coming, um, because my mom had always been looking for a church and, you know, she believed really passionately in that. Um, mm-hmm. So we started coming out then. So your whole family, your whole family got got involved with with us uh, yeah. pretty early on. So uh, okay, so you just became part of the uh, a very large uh, collective. Uh, you you there's you know the vast majority of people involved in Xenos are the proverbial Xenos babies, mm-hmm. who are wave after wave of generational birth of children by parents who are members. But that, that but that wasn't your case. You're it, it just seemed like uh, what was Xenos was 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 offering it to you was just right right down the alley that you're you're and, and right in, in line with the values and and passions you that uh, your mother was instilling with. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was exactly what she was looking for. She wanted. I mean, she's always been a really passionate Christian, and she was looking for a non-denominational Bible study and something like that, and it rang really true for her. So when we met them, we, I mean, everybody in my family got completely immersed in the group. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, at that point, and then we, and we, and we've had guests on for, and we know pretty well, and who's been listening to any of our podcasts is that Xenos is uh, genius is its ability to put forth an incredibly sophisticated, dynamic, attractive, effective yeah. kind of uh, of recruitment by put by fielding uh children's programming uh that, that are that's at several different levels you know different age groups and different uh different uh, activities it's something they seem to really focus in on strongly and and that's yeah. how they and, you're, and it's obviously you're one of the people who are drawn to it yeah for sure yeah i'm like a half xenos baby <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Almost on the cusp, but yeah, I mean, it was everything that we had wanted. It was home and it was family and it was very idealistic and um, it had a lot of things that we were looking for it offered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I will say like our my like my junior high experience was totally fine I mean as much as I can remember like I'm way older now um my high school experience like some weird stuff started to happen but it really wasn't until I reached the college group that I started disagreeing with a lot of things that happened okay right so and and before I think I think you mentioned that before you got to that point you had a, a kind of really eye opening encounter with the with the control Xenos would would want the wheel of her children who were raised under that authority when you you said a friend was interrogated for what was deemed sexual sin yeah and you wrote that Xenos was really good at exposing children uh, what, what what I mean what yeah. happened with that what, what really got you to Notice that. I mean, what was what was really standing up as over the top for you there? I mean, that was God. So that was in high school. That was my friend, and her and another girl had. I mean, they were in a relationship together, and okay. the leadership found out about it. Um, but the way that they pursued it was incredibly detrimental. I mean, they drove both of them off. They separated them, drove them both off alone in a car with college leaders and interrogated them about what they were doing sexually. And I mean, they were high schoolers. They were like little bitty babies. And I know for a long time, uh, that really, really affected my friend, what she had gone through and in the interrogation. Um, she was really scared by it. And felt like, I mean, she was isolated and felt really confronted by it. And it was, I mean, people in their 20s confronting a 15-year-old about what they were doing sexually. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you'd say that, you know, I guess you were starting to see that Zeno's obsession with getting yeah. into the minds and hearts of their young apprentices was yeah. really kind of where, where, where they seemed to, like, really go over the top. I mean, it's... it's yeah. You know, they you know getting those young apprentices within their Jedi temples. That is to say, their one-on-one and small group activities. That seems to place so much high, so much of priority upon making sure people are pure. But it's always the sexual sin that seems to really, really be the most scandalous and the one that yeah. will really be the most, the most personally devastating about. I mean, regardless of where you stand on, on, on same-sex relationships or not, I mean, terrifying children in the name yeah. of God is certainly not in any way, shape, or form uh, a, 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 any sort of, a, you know, godly way to help people. Yeah. There's ways to talk about things. There's ways to, to discuss things with people. And then there are flat-out uh, verbal pistol whippings that people yeah. can get. I mean, what do they do about the other sins that, that teenagers and kids can do like 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 those who lie or who do drugs or who or who boast so much or who dress prop improperly or disobey their parents or are, or are bullies i mean yeah. do you ever do, do they ever do that with people who who, who and i'm sure you've seen people involved with that at some level yeah. uh, what, what do they do with, in that instance they they pretty much they they don't really fall apart all of themselves until until sex is involved right yeah I mean, that was, that was never on their radar that I heard of. I mean, obviously, I was a high schooler. I wasn't a leader, but it was the only big scandals were 
oh my God, you know, these students are engaging in sexual activity and holy God, they're same sex. Um, that was the only thing I ever heard of that was confronted or that I was even talked to about what I knew about it. Um, that was the only big thing in that group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did they teach you? I mean, at that point, what, what lesson were you getting when you were being taught that, uh, to be found caught up in sexual sin seemed to me like the, like the second unforgivable sin. It, it's as if mm-hmm. it's as you, there wasn't really anything else you could probably do to get that kind of ire or that yeah. kind of animosity folks, unless God forbid you were involved sexually in some way. Uh, right. It's, it's really, it's, it's never fails to, to amaze me at, at how one track minded uh, a place like Zenith can really be. Yeah. And, I agree. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, let me interrupt you. Oh, no. I was just saying I agree. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was the only sin that quote unquote sin and stuff that I ever heard about them pursuing or that people were really affected by or that the leadership was getting involved with um, was, you know, stuff that 15-year-olds were doing. And so. Smoking and drinking was no big deal either. Uh. Wow. Oh, hell no. No, I smoked the school group. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, yeah well, they were already headed that way anyway. So, yeah, right. That's, that's very yep. true. So, yeah. Yep. I well, smoked in high school group and I got alcohol underage that was never a problem but yeah yeah unreal absolutely so yeah. i mean was 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 it was, was, was like obedience to parental authority ever brought up or was it really no. it seemed to me like the real issue was if you bucked xenosian authority if if, yeah. if there were leaders or mandates they have they wanted you to, to stick on it and you and you rattled those cages you, you you didn't you didn't get with their plans uh, that became the issue for the lectures, but yeah. they never seemed to say much about obeying parental authority, did they? No, I, well, what I can remember now, there was never, it was never an emphasis on parental authority at all. So it was mm-hmm. following what they said and what they wanted and what they thought looked good. But yeah, it was never obeying your parent. I mean, if anything, it was like, oh, your parents might not want you to come out to so many meetings and, you know, you have to follow God and blah, blah, blah. So it was almost a kind of blase attitude towards that. Right. So in essence, the the only real source of of really important authority, authority that mattered, authority that really, really had to to be, you know, heeded to was was, was whatever came down from from church leaders. Yeah. Wow, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sure. what they said, what they wanted, and what they encouraged. Yeah, a hundred percent. Interesting. So, yeah. like all cults, uh, Xenos objectifies individuals. Then they really turn them to just just like pawns, and they're usually along sexist lines. We've found. Oh, I mean, it's it's just blows my mind as I as I, as I listen to more and read and talk to more people. It's just how it's just how. It's incredibly revealing to show to see how Xenos views people. People are like they're like tinker toy pieces. Yeah. They can be pulled away from tightly knit social structures they create, but they can do it on command just because some Xenos church growth bean counter 
wants to fudge the numbers on a spreadsheet tracking, uh, and 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 they want to be able to show that uh, that growth is a sign of God's will being done. Yeah. And, and whereas people don't people don't matter at all. Because you mentioned, you know, that you know that you know, you you, uh, you had uh, a really traumatic time when your group got disbanded that you're with right before you in the college group. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think what you said, I think Xenos, just unfortunately, just the way that it views people, like they are cogs in a greater machine. Um, I think Xenos prides itself on being very different and like a different type of church and it's non-denominational and all this stuff. But really what it's looking for is people that fit into the greater machine that they are trying to build. And if people don't fit that, and if they're not proper cogs, uh, then they're ostracized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people are that way because people are individuals and have issues and are broken. Um, but if you don't, fit into what Xenos is looking for, then you're not a good player. Right. And you're not needed. And it's a pretty common experience. I mean, I've, yeah. I've not been a single former member we've spoken to has not said the exact same thing in some, and, yeah. and, and, and maybe not exactly the same way, but they've all come across that same conclusion that Xenos is all about numbers and public image and, and exalting itself in its own agenda. Yep. It's a business. Yeah. And I know I wrote about that in the paper I wrote to, uh, wrote to Xenos that I shared with you. Xenos is a business. It's whatever profits it and whatever moves it forward. Right. Um, right. That's completely what it is. It's not this green pasture of rest where people get healed and find community. It's a business. And the people yeah. at the top benefit from it. Right. You mentioned that uh, the group you went to was was filled with, I guess, uh, the most charismatic leaders. In other words, yeah. I think it was the month that was a group that was that was uh, the, the closest to the leadership circle, and was yeah. apparently the most prestigious. Yeah. Uh, and it was there you began to start to see the things that caused that started to cause you problems. Yeah, I uh, so our high school group disbanded, which I was really heartbroken about I really love those people um so our like I don't know how they split us up the whatever split I was in with my discipleship we went to Diesel uh which was led by Dennis and Holly McCallum which I was like scared shitless about (laughs) because I was like oh god you know, like I'm already an insecure person and a scared person and I have anxiety. So already like being in their group, I was like, oh my God, how are they going to view me? Um, but it was really uh, the issues that I really started to see that were prevalent in Xenos started in that group mm-hmm. um, with their behavior and what I saw encouraged and not encouraged and um and I was only in that group for, God, year and a half, two years, maybe. My timeline is kind of jacked up. My memory is not that great. But I wasn't even in there that long. But um, it obviously made a very big impression on me. Right. 
You said you remembered the praise and the silence. That was a, such a compelling yeah. description. Uh, what did you mean by that? I remember I always had, like, when I was in the church, I always had a really big heart for people who had left. Um, I remember thinking about the parable of the one sheep who went away, you know, and the shepherd went and searched for that sheep. And I always was very passionate about that, about mm. pursuing people that had left and that that should be a priority. And I remember bringing that up in a cell group um, about like, oh, we should hang out with these people or we should pursue them or whatever. I don't remember exactly the context. And I mean, they're just really good where it's like, if you say something they agree about, they're all like, oh, here's all this praise and blah, blah. And if you say something that they don't agree with, it's just silent. Um, and I remember that cell group, it was in the first house I lived in, um, that being the first kind of linchpin where I was like, oh, like, no, we should be pursuing these people who are lost, who have left. We should love them. That's what the Bible teaches. You know, we supposedly believe in the Bible and who Jesus is and his character, and that's what he exalts. And um, it was it was just not a priority. People who left, you just ignore them and you cut them off. And I was never that way. Um, and I mean, I was that way that my like whole time in Xenos, anybody who left, I still pursued them and hung out with them, which people didn't like. But I was always, always very passionate about that. But that was my mm. first moment um, as an adult that I was like, oh, oh, I don't like this. Mm, yeah. Well, it sounds like to me, uh, Aislinn, that you sound like you were a person with a heart of people. And you had a conscience yeah. that was troubled by observations uh, that you saw there of things that, that clearly didn't, didn't add up or line up with what biblical yes. principles taught. And yes. that's a, just another clear sign of the ubiquitously tolerated virtue among cults, that being the double standard of hypocrisy. They can make all kinds of long dilations about how, how they should be loving and, and that, uh, the discipleship among, um, the church there and in Xenos or Dwell should be one in which everybody's pouring into one another, everybody's loving each other. And yet those who don't fit the mold, those yeah. who who somehow get alienated. Those who don't appear to be perfect enough get just basically the, sh the cold shoulder and the right for the fellowship. Is that right? Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm still friends with uh, one of the girls that I lived with, and she kind of, she was given an ultimatum, and she decided to leave. Um, and I continued to pursue her, and to this day we're still friends, and she still is like, you were the only person who reached out and she wasn't even like excommunicated or anything like that where it's like, Oh, big no, no for reaching out. Like she just, she left. Um, but they, they severed everything with her. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. That's, that's just, that sounds just like what Jesus would do, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees who were ready to stone the woman caught in adultery. Now imagine that. What what did it take for a bunch of of religious leaders to actually go track down a woman and, and catch her in the very act of committing sexual sin and drag it in before Jesus? 
It's like, okay, what, what should we do? Should we stone her, Lord? I mean, what did he do? Uh, he just sat down, rolling the ground, and told them, hey, any one of you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. Yeah. He loved her. Yeah. He yeah. loves everyone. He said, yeah. go and do no, he says, woman, where are your accusers? And he says, well, well, go, uh, go and, and sin no more. Yeah. Th- that's grace. That's, yeah. that's love reaching, that's the kind of love that, that you reach out to with people. But that this doesn't seem to be, uh, on the, the, the playbook for, for Zenos' uh, church growth, is it? Does it? No, it's not. It's not at all. No. And, and yeah, like I said, if you don't fit into their machine and how they work, you're done. And that is not what yeah. the Bible teaches. Right. You people, Zenos, bear by listening up. I mean, if you're going to sit here and treat people like trash like you do, mm-hmm. and you and you clearly ignore the, 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 the message and example of the one you claim to follow above all, I mean, you yeah. better take a look. You better do a checkup from the neck up, as I've said, because you, yeah. you there's a serious deficiency here. Uh, you, 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 you yell about... Uh, about some of the things you do, and and um, it's just terrible to see the hypocrisy you wallow in. So, yeah, so shifting gears here a little bit here, Aislinn, I know you you were there in the midst of a very, I guess, chaotic but yet structured time. Uh, mm-hmm. You were in diesel. You were you were I guess on the go daily with with all the structure they had. I mean, I think you were you were in, obviously in college at this time, studying as well. You know, and, and that's one of the things that always amazes me is like I was a college student. I know what it means to carry 15, 16 hour work uh, credit hours daily. I know what that's mm-hmm. like. So it's not any something you can you can you can you can pussyfoot around with. You gotta get on the ball and yeah. work. Uh, but yeah. but Xenos would still insist on demanding so much of your time and, and yeah. everyone. Everyone's time to 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 invest it in, in their own agenda. And so uh, people just don't, and people are just convinced that that's what they should do, right? Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I wasn't in school for a lot of the time that I was in Xenos, but I was working full time. And I mean, I still had like five nights a week that I was doing quote unquote ministry, and then. I, I mean, I would hang out with two to three people after work, um, you know, outreach and all this stuff. I mean, it was exhausting. Yeah. It was completely exhausting. Yeah. So there you were laying yourself out and doing all your, you just kept busy. Yeah. And, 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 and in the midst of all this, I'm about to ask you a very personal question. You, and, and, uh, and this is relevant to the rest of our conversation. Uh, can you personally reflect upon your own ideals as a young woman in Xenos? When it came to being approached and and relating to men, I mean, you had your own desires, your own dreams, your own hopes as as a young woman growing right. up. And I'm, I'm sure every, every everyone does. Everyone has yeah. that. And so, what were they like at this point in your life? I mean, I mean, I mean what was it? Would you characterize as someone who, who just really liked to be really super social about that, or were you, or were you more quiet? Were you more a little more reserved and more, uh, you know, just just generally more 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 out of the shade, out of the light, uh, the limelight, so to speak, in that? I mean, what was it like? What were your ideals like? What, what did you really hope to? You know, what were you thinking about? I guess uh, as opposed to you know, uh, what, uh, everyone around you was saying, uh, what were yeah. you like? Um, I mean, I was very quiet, 
like I am now. Um, I'm a much more, I'm a very reserved person. I was then, um, I'm a lot more outspoken now, but no, I was, I was a lot more kind of within myself and, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to please people and love people and love the people around me. And I don't think I had any ideals or anything like that for what a romantic relationship should look like or how to even pursue that. Um, I mean, I didn't like uh, the first person I kissed, I was like 19 years old. Like (laughs) I did not have that experience in that area. Like that wasn't something that was on my mind. Um, really at all that I mean I was so boy crazy like every girl is but like sure I mean it was different I was very reserved and I was homeschooled I was very sheltered um I didn't have experience in that area at all um my first boyfriend in Xenos was great (laughs) he was very kind um but my experience after that was not ideal at all right right and that's where unfortunately things really do change for you don't they and uh yeah and i asked that for a question you'll we'll see you you will see where we're going with that i think later but uh uh you wrote do you remember the night that you met this person and uh maybe you can tell them more about about what happened there yeah I remember, I kind of think the first, not the first linchpin, there was obviously several linchpins before that, but um, really the first big thing in my life was Zenos was when I met him. Um, and I was, I, mean, I think I was 18 or 19. I can't remember. I was young and I remember he had come out to Diesel and we were like upstairs in the attic, like smoking and drinking. And of course I was drinking. It was totally fine. Like whatever you're underage, but, um, and he like heard my name and he was like, Oh my God, like, Oh, this is a sign from God that you're here because he had had like a Dungeons and Dragons character named Aislinn or some shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) wow. Yeah. So he thought it was a sign from God that I was there and um really after that point he started very aggressively pursuing me um and I mean I was like I said I was 18 or 19 he was in his mid-20s he had a lot of experience um I'll use a Xenos world word he had a lot of experience in the world um you know, he had dated a lot of checks, been with a lot of checks and stuff like that. And I had not obviously pursued any of that. Um, and he started very aggressively pursuing me after that point. Um, and I, like as a young person and as somebody who was like trying to be nice and kind and whatever, I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, so I would get into a lot of circumstances where he'd be like, oh, let me drive you home. Oh, let me blah, 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 you know, whatever. And then he'd go to drive me home and it would be an hour and a half, you know, stuff like that. Um, 
where it, I mean, it was always just like, oh, here's this little invitation and it becomes something so much more. Mm. Um, and I was trying to be nice and I didn't know how to deal with the situation. And I know like looking back on what happened, I had always had a bad feeling in my gut about it, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. Um, so mm. it was just kind of like, oh, I'll try to be nice, you know, like, So you, you, start, you began getting red flags almost immediately from, from this guy. Yes. yes. But, yeah. you, but you didn't know what to do with them. No, I had no idea. Right. I was not, I was not equipped at all to know that the behavior he had towards me and the way that he was pursuing me was inappropriate. Yeah. And was not okay. He's constantly so texting you. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Constantly texting constantly. I mean, he would wait around till I had to leave and he'd give me a ride home. Like, and that was just the beginning part of it. Like, obviously, you know, there's a lot more to the story, but I mean, his behavior was very insidious and it was very decisive and calculated. And I was caught up in it and didn't know what to do. So I went along with it um, and ended up getting into a lot of trouble <laughs> because of it. But yeah, I just, I had no category to deal with. This is inappropriate and not okay. And you can trust your gut, and that's okay. That's not you being selfish or, like, a butthole to God. Like, that's you trusting something instinctual that's there for a reason. Um, I just, I did not have a category for that. Yeah. So if he was someone, if Tim was someone that was viewed as very, uh, how should I say, some very schooled in the ways of the world, as as Xenos might put it. If yeah. he had that kind of cred already while amongst you, didn't anyone stop to maybe pull you aside and say, hey, you better watch out. Maybe you got to slow down with this guy. No one stepped forward to say anything, even though he was no. known to be that way? No. No Nope. nope. And I didn't church leaders, no one, no, no one said anything to you. No, I didn't even think about that till you literally just said that. No, nobody ever was like, hey, be a little wary. Unless I, like, completely forgot it. But no, I have no recollection at all of anyone ever saying anything like that to me to be aware and guard myself. No. Interesting. So so, so who was he? I mean, what – I mean, like, here, here's – I'm, I'm kind of amazed at – I mean, what place in Xenos, uh, Xenos' workforce uh, was he to be able to play as, as he did then? I mean, was he related to a Xenos leader? Uh, how did he get the kind of moral mileage he did to keep doing as he, as he apparently pleased? He, so, when he first started coming out, I mean, he was not, his older brother was not looked well upon, um, but he, Tim ended up being discipled by Dennis, who was very well looked upon and obviously we know is the leader of the church. So, um, so Tim was a disciple of Dennis McCown? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. That says a lot um, right there, doesn't it? Yes. 
yeah, so he ended up being discipled by him, and he, uh, I mean, he went on, like, to kind of fast forward in my story. I mean, he went on to be a Xenos counselor. He went on to be a high school group leader, a home church leader. Um, he was a cafe manager or whatever. Like, he had mm. a lot of very prestigious roles uh, because of his you know, his acumen or whatever that he had, um, that happened after a lot of the stuff that happened with me and him, but he went on to have a very quote unquote successful time in Xenos for the time that he was there. Yeah. He acquired trajectory, which of course we'll learn more about as time to go by, but, uh, but sadly, you know, it, it sounds to me like, you know, Aislinn, you're just a, you know, a meek, quiet young woman who he targeted. Yeah. And he, and he knew every string Xenos had woven into that he could pull. Yeah. And, and, and of course, I think he also understood that you were, you know, a quiet person who just wasn't going to, you know, uh, resist. You're just trying, you would try to be polite and kind yeah. to him. You tried giving him, you know, uh, your, his two cents worth and he always wanted 50 bucks worth. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, so where all, what else happened? I mean, I mean, where did it go? You said things were going under inappropriate, and I, I hate that. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what were you meaning by that? Where, where did this relationship end up going? So, <clears throat> kind of my trajectory with him. Um, I mean, he was very aggressively pursuing me and like like I said he would always be like oh who's driving you home from home church oh I'm a brother in Christ I need to take care of you and blah 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 um so I remember there was one night uh he was like let me drive you home and I was like okay um and I was like I don't have that much time like I have to wake up early blah blah because I knew he would always be like super long-winded and like talk for like five million hours in the car um, so I was like, I don't have a ton of time, blah, blah. And we got in my house and we were talking on my porch for a little bit. Um, and he started talking about like, oh, you're like the girls in your house don't trust me and, you know, think this is weird and blah, blah, blah. Like they'll think it's weird if we're talking, we should go someplace else. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And I was like, if it's only for like a short period of time, like I have to wake up early, da da da. So he ended up driving me to, uh, it was a place near Whetstone Park. It was right near the entrance of Whetstone Park. And he stopped there and we got out of the car and he was talking about how like, oh, I like to come here. It's quiet and blah, blah. You know, I come here all the time by myself, and he pulled a blanket out of the back of his car, which mm. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, well, it's cold. Like, it was springtime then. I was like, okay. So, I was, just, I mean, I was just kind of going along with it. Um, and then he took me to this place. We went through the woods, and we came to, there was like a circular concrete thingy coming out of the ground or whatever and he's like oh I like to sit up on this blah blah so we went and we were sitting on there and um he was like oh let's lay down it's more comfortable 
let me put the blanket on us, da da da. And I was uncomfortable and didn't know what to do. So I was just going along with it. Um, and I remember like we were like spooning and he was touching my thighs and stuff. And he was like, uh, like, how does this make you feel? Have you ever laid like this with a man before? Um, mm. And I was just like frozen. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do in that situation. Or <laughs> like I was out in the middle of the woods with this guy. Like I was like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. Mm. Um, so let's and, be clear. He's essentially cuddling you in a full length embrace. Yeah, there was no there was no intercourse. No, no, no. no. Okay, no. but 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 that was enough. I mean, you didn't want yeah. this though. The, yeah, he wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like he had touched my boobs or like anything like that. Like I'm not saying that, but the way that he was touching me was very inappropriate, and I was incredibly uncomfortable. Like yeah. it, I mean, it was in a sexual way, and the way that he was talking to me was in a sexual way. And at that point, I don't even know if I had kissed anybody at that point. I can't remember um, my age, but I, I was incredibly uncomfortable. And we ended up going back to my ministry house. And the way that he behaved in the car was what, like, really scared me. Because he was like, oh, don't tell your house leader. Or don't tell people in the home church what happened. We're just brother and sister in Christ this is just normal. We were just loving each other. They're going to think it's something else. Um, <laughs> and so the way that he behaved, I was like, Oh my God, like this was something. And this was not like my, my instinct of like, this is inappropriate, not okay. Like that's heightened now. Um, so I went inside and I immediately told my house leader what had happened and I was so overwhelmed and so upset because, I mean, this had never happened to me before. I started crying. And she was like, oh, my God, Tim molested you. And he blah, blah, blah. And in my brain, I was like, okay, well, I told you what happened. And I gave you all the details. And you're saying he molested me. And this is what occurred. So, okay. Like, you're 10 years older than me. Okay. Um. And then that night, she called, like, everybody who was high up in the home church, and Tim heard about it, and so I ended up getting so many calls from home church leaders and people in the guy's house, and Tim called me crying, because how could I ever say anything like that? Um, and so I ended up, I felt very pigeonholed because I was like, well, like, I, I just didn't know what to do in that situation. Like, my anxiety had taken over. I was so overwhelmed. I had never dealt with that before. This person who was mm -hmm. a decade older than me was saying you were molested, and I trusted her. Um, so I just, I did not know what to do with that situation. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I lied. None of that happened because yeah. I was so, like, it, it was just so much. I just, I couldn't even deal with it. Well, and well, I didn't. Why would, you, why would you make that, well, why would you say you lied? Well, what was that that drove you to say that at that moment? 
I don't know. I don't know if it was like I didn't want to deal with it or if it was too much or I just, I was so, my brain was on such overdrive. Like I have very severe anxiety and depression and (laughs) my brain doesn't work well in stressful situations. So I don't know if it was like, I just wanted to stop and I just want it to be over. So I just lied and here we are. Um, I think, I think back on that and I'm like, I, cause I, I knew that he hadn't like full on molested me, but I knew it had been an, inappropriate and that it was not okay. Right. And I just didn't have, I don't think I had the vocabulary or ability right. to talk through that with anyone. Right. So, you know, one um, of the things that, that people in, in a cultic movement, there's no way for leaders to concede uh, who, who, who operate in their hypocritically purest social circles. There's no way for them to ever admit there's any different way to look at men and women grappling with the excesses that they do when right. they're in desire and sin other than the black and white way they do. So obviously there had to be an evil person and, and our victim here. And they also don't seem to realize that human nature is not as cut and dry as they like to, like to say. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are scores there are a lot more men and women around who who have who are still virgins, uh, who are who have never kissed, who 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 in some way, shape, or form just never quite developed, you know, the drive or the desire to see companionship yeah. with those uh, with others, those of the opposite sex or otherwise. I mean, they they don't feel the draw to get into relationships. They don't feel it. They don't, they don't get into it. It's just, they, they find other things in their life to, to, that, that go on by them. I mean, sure, sure they have feelings, but, yeah. but, but I've known many women who are like, I've known young people who, who are just really, they're, they're not, they're too busy involved in, in, in living their own life and going their own direction that, that such moments like these in which you are clearly pushed into a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you. This was completely outside your desire uh, yeah. and your experience, uh, yeah, but you stayed there as as his unwilling participant because of, of why? Because may, maybe you were just you you froze. You didn't know what to do. Oh yeah, my brain turned off. Yeah. I like. I don't even remember a ton from that. I mean, my memory's spotty anyway. Um, but I don't even remember a ton from that night. I like a lot of it's blacked out because it was just too much emotionally and too much to deal with for me at that time. Right. Right. And, and, and it's, and with this experience, you know, something that I'm not, I'm not a therapist now, but, but one thing I have learned in studying psychology is that, is that, you know, as your body is feeling stimulation, that's so intense and it's so unwanted, it's not uncommon to go into what's called dissociative amnesia. It's yep. a moment in which I have an attempt to escape the trauma of, of that of that very of that very incident. You subconsciously block it out of your sensual grasp yep. and the memory of it, just to escape the horror of it. You, yep. you felt his hands on your body. You, you you felt how wrong the situation was, and the only way you felt you could free yourself is, is, is just to blank out. Yeah. And oh, say whatever needed to be said to get through it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, 
that was completely what I did. Yeah. I just wanted it to be over and to get home. And yeah, yeah, like I said, clearly I was upset enough. I went home and told my house leader and like cried um, because I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't have a category of knowing how to deal with it or what to do. Right. It was outside Uh, your life experience. A hundred percent. Yeah. And after that instance in Xenos, because I had gone back and said, oh, I lied um, because I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, I was 18, 19 years old. Um, I started to become portrayed as somebody who cried wolf. I started to become portrayed as a liar, um, someone who used men. Uh, you became like pretentious. A, yeah, yeah. Like a doctoress, and I was like, "What that? Like, who are you talking about? That's not me. Like, who? Who is she? I haven't met her." But um, that that was how I was portrayed, and that followed me. I mean, that followed me for years. Right. Um, because of that instance, and yeah. I mean, I lost. I lost friendships. I lost. I, I can't tell you how many things I lost from that circumstance, and I just didn't even have a category to even know how to deal with it or what was even going on um, to be able to grapple it. Yeah. Like, so, I remember, like, I, I mean, I was just painted as such a person that I was not, and... Yeah. Like, I remember I started working and I was going to start working in the high school group, which was the highlight of my time in Xenos. I loved those kids, like, with my entire, like, I loved those babies, like, so much. That was my passion. Um, I had started working in the high school group, and one of the girls who, she was also, she was still in Diesel. We had split off from this point. She had me come over to her house, and I was, like, all excited because I was like, oh, we haven't hung out in a while. She used to be my roommate. Like, oh, we're friends. Like, you know, whatever. And she sat me down, and she told me, everybody in Diesel knows who you are. We know your reputation. We know you can't be trusted. Um, We know you're a liar. Um. And I, I mean, I just sat there and cried. Like, like, I don't, I don't even know how to deal with that. You know, like that was just, and, and I mean, that was just the beginning of stuff with Tim. Like that was just the beginning of the damage yeah. that, yeah, that had in my life. But yeah, I guess when you said you lied, it means justify him, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, was, uh, you got you got the first Skyler as the slut, and he got to yep. be the, the poor man who was who was so wrong. Yeah. And the stalking continued. He continued yep. to come around, didn't he? Yeah, a hundred percent. He. I mean, it was like to say invasive. Like that's not even a strong enough word. Like. He was, he would be at my house every time I came home from work. Um, he was constantly hanging out with my roommates. And I mean, he was love bombing them the same way that I had experienced with him. And I think there's, 
you know, that psychological thing where you're like, oh, it's kind of nice. I miss that. Like, I miss that attention. Um, he was doing that with them. Where I mean, he was literally just constantly around, um, constantly texting me. Like, he would come into my job, like, once or twice when I would work, like, on my shifts. Like, he, I mean, he was just, he was everywhere. He was at my home church. He was at CT. Um, he was just, he, I mean, he was a plague. He was everywhere, and I couldn't get away from him. Um, but I think at the same time, how manipulative he had been with me um, and how insidious his behavior had been with me, like, I missed the attention. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll, like, let him in again. You know, like, I missed that attention or whatever. Um, the way your brain works where you look back on it and you're like, oh, <laughs> that was bad. But, I mean, your brain in the moment, you're like, I really miss this. Maybe it'd be easier if I just let him pursue me or just gave in. Um. And I did that with him, but I know before I had done that with him, I went to uh, his discipler, who is Dennis McCallum. Um, I reached out to him, and I was like, good Lord, so, like, shit scared. Like, <laughs> I don't do that. I'm not an outspoken person. That's not the way that I am. I don't like that. I had reached out to him for advice on what to do. Um, and he met with me outside of the CT building. I remember we were sitting outside. It was warm outside. And I was asking him for advice. And his response was basically like, because I was like, oh, he texts me all the time and he calls me or he's around. And his response was like, well, you respond to him sometimes. You know, like, what about you? So I was like, oh, like I, like, yeah, I mean, it was just, it gave me no answers. It didn't give me any help. I felt just as confused how to deal with it or what to do with the issue. Um, so he was turning it back on you. Oh, yeah. I felt just as alone and just as confused. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, you respond to his text sometimes. And it's like, good God, like 50 texts. <laughs> I respond once, like, I don't know what to do. And he was like, well, I don't get involved in dating relationships and blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, he That's really what he just said? Got, That's what Dennis McKenna yeah. told you. He doesn't get involved. What do you mean by that? He doesn't get involved in dating relationships. He doesn't get, he doesn't counsel people. I mean, what, what did he mean by that? I have no idea. I mean... What he said was complete BS. Yes, he does get involved. And, like, that, I mean, that's just, yes, you are involved. But now you're saying at this point in time, like, you don't want to be bothered? Yeah. Um, well, he, he, like, he could wash his hands of you and, yeah. his, and his disciple. The person, yeah. he's the one that supposedly is, is the head over, the one who's the, one who's the model. The one who's the, uh, the, the supreme example of suddenly it, it, it's very convenient for him to step out of the way and let you deal with it on your own. Yeah. 
no, he doesn't get involved, and it's my problem for responding. Which is bogus. We all know that. We all know he's involved in all so many other things. You're absolutely right on that. 100%. Yeah, of course he's involved in, like, in all the gossip. I know he is, but, like, yeah, I mean, that's what he told me. I reached out to him for help, and I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm just, you know, up the creek without a paddle, but, um... No, he didn't, he didn't help me at all. And I just, I had no navigation to know how to deal with the situation. And I ended up, uh, at some point in my story, I ended up, I agreed to start dating Tim, which sounds insane saying now, I understand that. Um, I started dating him and I don't know if it was like, I thought it was, easier or like I don't like if all the stuff would just stop I don't know I I can't tell you what I was thinking at all um I started dating him um and we dated for like god it was like a month and a half um and I ended up breaking up with him just because the relationship was so ramped up like sexually and I was not okay with that um yeah when when you say that was it because of the fact that okay you weren't having sex but you could tell that's all he was pursuing you for oh yeah okay I mean yeah let's make that clear for the record so people understand what was going on you were just outside your you were outside of your element you yes. didn't know how how to get someone off. You you weren't getting support from the Xenos leaders all around you who saw what was going on. You weren't mm-hmm. getting any kind of help from Dennis McCallum. No. And and, and 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 indeed that couldn't have done anything but embolden him to do what he darn well pleased. Yeah. Yeah. I mean our <laughs> we only dated for a month and a half, but he would be like Asked me to come hang out all the time. And he'd be like, come hang out at my apartment. And I'd be like, that's probably not a good idea. And he, you know, he would just convince me and I would just go along with it. Um, and it mm. would just become this sexual thing where we'd like make out and stuff like that. And I remember him telling me that the stuff we were doing was not an issue. And he said this came from Dennis, which I do not believe. I think he, pulled this out of his butt um he told me the stuff we were doing was not an issue as long as I didn't orgasm and if I did then it was a problem and like and he said he was like well Dennis told me that and I I don't think Dennis told him that I think he lied and told me that looking back on it now but um yeah I mean it was it wasn't a problem for him to be it was to him, he, in his mind, it was okay as long as you could get right up to the very edge as if yep. anything was going. I mean, you guys were still clothed. You weren't yeah. having showers together or you doing any hot makeouts. I don't, I don't want to speculate. That's none of my business. But the point is you weren't involved in this. You weren't willingly involved in these, in these petting sessions. Yeah. That in a way that in which you were trying to entice him, he was constantly coming on you, hanging on you, and then yeah. telling you that as long as you were an orgasm, it wasn't wrong. 
it, it really just kind of says something about this, but it, 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 it just shows really just how perverse his, his own standards really were. You know, yeah. the kind of reality is that in every action where he was pushing himself upon you, very likely was that, that he, if the, in those moments, I mean, statistically it's proven among young virile men that uh, in, in moments like that, they're the ones that usually do the climaxing. You yeah. just don't see it. It's yeah. the difference between male and female sexual gratification. If he remained clothed, you wouldn't have seen that. But unfortunately, Tim had to share his arousal itinerary, it seems. And you had to deal with that gross sin. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, he knew what he was doing, if, even if you were still struggling with trying to get what he's trying to do. Right. No, I felt awful about it. And I remember we went, he was like, let's go on a camping trip, blah, blah. <laughs> so we went on a camping trip to, it was North or South Carolina or whatever. And we took one of my disciples and one of our friends. And one of the nights there, he was like, let's go for a walk. And I knew it was going to be bad. And I knew he was going to do stuff. And I was like, no, like I'm really tired. And then he like kept on pursuing it. So I was like, okay. Um, and so I finally agreed and went with him, and I mean, he ended up touching me in a very inappropriate way that I was not okay with, and I moved his hand multiple times, and he didn't stop, um, and I was very upset about it, and we came home, and I was like dead set on, this is not good, I need to break up with him, I'm so upset, and I told my house leader and I told her everything that had happened, that he had done this stuff, and, you know, I had moved his hand and stuff, and he had continued to do stuff with me. Um, and her response was like, oh, I knew you guys were going to fall into sexual sin. And I remember hearing that. We were, like, sitting out on the steps outside of our house, and I remember hearing that and being like, that doesn't ring right for me. Like, that wasn't sexual sin. Like, I tried to get him to stop. Um, and she was like, oh, I just, I knew this would happen with you guys, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. She um, knew. She knew okay. what you did. But if she knew, why did she not say or do more? No, of course not. What, where was that? That's what amazes me about about all these canned responses of Xenos leaders who claim to have known better, who 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 are who uh, hypocritically sit in judgment over those who sexually sin or sexually get tempted, but yet have done nothing, said nothing, and and stood for nothing in the midst of your relationship to say, hey, maybe you should back away, maybe you should stay away. Nobody says anything to anyone until stuff yeah. happens. Well, I remember her saying, like, I knew you would fall into sexual sin. And in my brain, I was like, that wasn't sexual sin. I didn't want that to happen. Like, I tried to get him to stop. And, like, <laughs> you know, like, I tried physically and it didn't work. But, like, oh, that was sexual sin. So, I mean, there was another black mark against me and it was like no he forced himself on me and wouldn't stop when I tried to get him to stop um and I I broke up with him after that point and I mean he continued for 
mean, it was like, I mean, you've read my story, but it was like months and months of him continuing to be around my roommates and, you know, we had split, I had split off from Diesel and I was in a new group and I was so excited to have a new start and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he started pursuing relationships with the women in my house um, that he did not know. I mean, it was just a continual stalking thing. And I eventually gave in because I was lonely and I had lost a ton of friends because a ton of people cut me off. Um, after the stuff with Tim happened, I was lonely. Uh, so I let him back in and... I remember there was a time he had been like, oh, well, your favorite book is East of Eden. And we started reading that and let's continue reading that as friends and blah, blah. So we had gone to a park to read it. We were reading it outside and he's like, oh, it's too cold. Let's read my car. And so we were sitting in his car and reading it. And I mean, it was like, oh, this is too uncomfortable. Let's sit in the back seat. And it, it was just still kind of the thing where my brain was like, oh, but I, I went along with it. Um, and I remember we were like sitting in the back seat and he tried to start kissing me and touching me. And I was trying to get him to stop and he wouldn't stop. Um, and I remember after a few times of me yelling, no. And pushing him off of me, he finally stopped. Um, and I, I don't remember anything after that. It's all black. Um, but after that had happened, he was super upset and super angry with me. And we were at a wedding, and he came up to me to talk to me, and I was like, dude, stay away from me, like, I don't want anything to do with you, like, I told you no, and you kept on doing stuff to me, and he was so angry, he was like, well, I'm gonna tell everybody who you really are, blah, 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 and he walked out of that wedding, and he called all of my home church leaders, he called all of my friends, he called my discipler, he called everybody high up to tell them what a whore I was and what a temptress I was and all this shit that I had done towards him um, and completely continued to destroy my character. Um, I remember I spent the night at my friend's house after that and I'd like gone inside a change or whatever. And I came outside and she was like, why did Tim just call me and say that you had done all this stuff and you were doing all this stuff? And I mean, she wasn't even a leader. She was just my friend. And I think at that moment, I was just like, well, it, it, it doesn't matter what I say or what I do. Like you have gotten to everybody. You have completely decimated my character and like you, you have called and done your work. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, just, I felt, I can't tell you how hollow I felt inside. 
that it was like, I, it doesn't matter what I say. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what's happening. Like I was so overwhelmed and upset. Um, but I mean, he had gone to everybody and he had called everybody and he had painted this narrative to protect right. himself. Right. He, um, he made the preemptive first strike against you. Yeah. To prove I, how pure he was after all of the embarrassing things that had gone on so, uh, uh, at the wedding. Yep. And, and I, this was a Xenos wedding, right? Yeah. Okay. It was um, my friend James and Candace's wedding. And I would have never, like, I wasn't even in the position at that point to even talk about him forcing himself on me in the car, like, after we had dated and all that stuff. And, you know, like, I wasn't even going to talk about that because I, at that point, I was like, well, <laughs> nobody's going to believe me. And this is so confusing. And, I don't even know what's going on. So I, like, I was in the position where I wasn't even going to talk about it. And he was so angry that I had told him to stay away from me because I was so scared of him. Um, that he was like, well, I'm going to call everybody and tell them who you are. Mm-hmm. Because he realized that you were, when you fought him off, when you said no for the last time, I mean, he realized he wasn't getting anywhere with you. He wasn't going to get what he was plainly courting you for. Yeah. And, and that, and that, that you, you had just, had just finally, uh, pardon the old parlance, but you'd finally broken his balls. You yeah. basically had made it impossible for him to get the gratification he wanted. And you, and you were doing it in a way that was, that, that was being publicly noticed. You were mm-hmm. stirring things up. And he, and he, in, in essence, immediately panicked, realized, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going, uh, to turn this around. Yep. Yeah. You know, he wanted, he wanted to get the first move. You know what really, what really bothers me in this situation? And I, I don't mean to be taking time with, with, but it needs to be said that, you know, you're, you're in, this is all going on within a Christian society, mm-hmm. a supposedly biblically founded Christian social circles where people should be mature and understand what it means to live a pure life and what it means to, to, to uh, care, carry and conduct yourself in a way that, that glorifies God and keep yourself pure. But Jesus Christ said in the gospel according to Matthew 5, 20, he said, see says sexual sin occurs first in the heart Long before, and using the popular parlance again, long before you get jiggy with it in a car or a trusty forest somewhere. He yeah. said very plainly that I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I'm sure he means, he means that both ways. He, he, he could clearly say, I tell you, any, anyone who looks at a man lustfully has already committed adultery with him in, in her heart. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it works both ways. It's a moral standard, standard applicable to both men and women since according to the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3.28, there's neither male nor female. All are one in Christ. All are equal. We stand before God bound to live the same way. And what yeah. Tim clearly was doing all that time was walking in his own sexual perversity for years. Long before he took you out, you were an object of lust that, 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 that he 
wanted to be able to pour himself upon. Yep. And, I, and what gets me, and I'm saying this and we'll move on, but Xenos completely fails to see this within the, within the, the social circles all around it where, where men and women are in courtship, struggling with, with their feelings. The whip always principally seems to fall upon the woman in a couple. Yeah. They're the ones who are to be the, who are presumed to be the sexual active ones, the ones who are the temptresses. And this is exactly what Tim was doing. He was crying wolf in his own way. Yeah. And I'd love to have Dennis McCallum on this podcast to exegete these few verses here, if he had the guts to discuss why it's always women that suffer bad rap. And, uh, but that's exactly what was going on here. And no one in Xenos, no one, no one who claimed to be so independent minded and not controlled by the mind control that is there, those who claim to be so free of it, just walk in, in lockstep with that same position. Yeah. That, that you can do anything you want to accept and up to uh, a certain point and you're, and you're somehow pure. When Jesus said exactly the opposite, the minute you even turn your eyes upon someone in lust, you're in sin. They'll split, split, uh, they'll split the, uh, the ground before you and send you to hell. Yeah. Now that's, that's what, that's, now that's biblical theology, Dennis, because I know you're listening. That's, that's what biblical doctrine teaches, but you don't. In fact, you let people write their own, their own tickets with it. Especially, you write, you let young men write their own tickets like Tim. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to you. And I'm so sorry. So sorry that you, you, uh, got devastated by that. But, but, and sadly, you're not alone though, uh, Isla. I know there's so many other women, so many other women who felt the same exact, uh, pressures and defeats. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I just had to speak to that to let them know that, you know, this is where Xena shows where, where it is not the, uh, the gate to heaven, but, uh, but a roadway to hell. It's really a, de- a depraved, sick place. Yeah. And, I will say, like, Tim was, he was charismatic, and he was attractive, and he was discipled by Dennis. He had good credentials. Like, I was the asshole who had lied and was confused and had anxiety, and ooh, you know, like, he had good credentials, so he was believed. Um... And anybody looking at it from the outside, like, as, like, I look back on it now, like, being a woman who's in her 30s, and it's like, you you look at that, and you're like, there was an 18 or 19-year-old child who was being pursued by a man who had all this experience, who is doing all this stuff. And there were leaders in my group and they're like 40s, like they were like adult adults who did nothing. Yeah. Like it's just, it like it's asinine to me. Yeah. Like well, I, well, I, well, Dennis was well, Dennis didn't get involved. Why should they? You know, really, <laughs> it's just consistent in its own sick way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, and I like, I don't even have that much, like, anger or animosity towards Tim. Like, I feel like he is a wolf, and he behaved how a wolf does. It bites people, and you expect a wolf to bite you. But that's who he is. 
like the reason that I am hurt from those situations and I haven't even gotten into all of it is the people that were quote unquote put in charge by God to help me and protect me did nothing. Like what, what do you do with that? What do you do with these I like I like that's the part I struggle with. I don't care about Tim. He's a butthole. Like that's who he is. He will continue to use women and he's probably out doing that now. But these people who say they're appointed by God and led by God and directed by God who look at you it with disdain for who you are. Like what do you do with that? Yeah. There's people who should protect you. Right. Exactly. That's what's impossible. That, that's that's why I believe the place labors under the curse of God. I mean, you have you have people who claim to be shepherds who he said treat you like your prey, like your meat, yeah. and and who don't who don't really give a, 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 a you know a flying fin. They, no. they do not care. There is no compassion. There is no desire to intervene to make right and I, I'm, I'm convinced Aislinn because they don't know it you can't you can't give out you can't pour out what you don't have and, and that's yeah. why I believe it, it, it really is Xenos is a far more corrupt place than we can possibly imagine because the leadership is completely corrupt there are men and women there of conscience who are who, who are struggling with what we are saying what we're doing I agree but but the but the but the vast majority sadly are are, are lifers. Uh, their right. consciences have been completely com- completely bombed by this. Man, this 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 is horrible. I'm I'm so sorry you had to feel all that. So so why 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 did you stay? What did you, did you continue to stay? And apparently you did. And and what did you yeah. what, what made you really want to stick that out? I mean, I stayed for like ten years after that. Um. <laughs> I mean, I look back on it now and I'm like, oh my God, um, I, I really loved the people. Like I loved the people in my home church. I loved my high schoolers. Um, like that was what kept me going. Like that was my life. Like I remember I mean, I would spend hours, like, praying and crying, um, just trying to, like, understand what was going on. Um, and you, but, and you I, nobody, but you had nobody to talk to. No. No. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't be honest with anyone there. No, no one was safe. And So, so what sustained you? Just, just that prayer. I wanted to love people and I wanted to do what was right by God. Like I really, and I like, I'm agnostic now. I don't know what I believe, Mm -hmm. but when I was in that time, like I wanted so badly to love God and do what was right and love people. Like, and I'm not like tooting my own horn or, oh, what a great person. I like, I really like, that was my heart's desire. Um, and I, I mean, obviously I did a lot of stuff that I'm ashamed about with people, but like, I, 
I wanted to stay because I loved people and I really wanted to love God and do what was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I had to try. Um, I don't, I don't know why I did. I really, I look back on it and I had so many people say such nasty things to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, my old house leader told me that I remember she finally agreed to hang out with me and I was so excited because I was like, Oh, you staying out all the time. Like, you know, this is my homie, you know? whatever and we hung out and I remember her telling me on the porch of my house um that someday I would have to stand before God and take account for what I had done towards Tim (laughs) and that he God knew who I really was I remember her telling me that I remember um my flipping counselor which Ideally, you would hope a counselor is private about their information, but not in Xenos. Um, was this a Xenos counselor you went to? Oh, yeah, Katie Downs. I remember I finally felt safe enough to talk to Katie Downs about stuff that had happened with Tim, which was a mistake because nobody is safe in Xenos. Um, I had started talking to her about stuff that had happened with Tim, and she pulled up an email she had from my discipler that talked all about what a liar I was and how divisive I was. And she was reading to me from that email. And I remember her looking at me and telling me, oh, it's a miracle that Tim's still in the church because of you. And like... Like, I, like, still to this day, I, ha- I have no words. I just sat there and cried. Like, oh, God, like, I have no one I can trust. There is absolutely mm-hmm. no one I can trust. Was, is Katie Downs a professional counselor or just one of these so-called uh, biblical counselors there? Does she yeah. have any credentials at all? Um, I don't think so. I think she is just a Xenos counselor. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, she's not, and I... So she's basically on the Xenos payroll. Yeah. I mean, she she tells my, she would tell my leaders everything I would say. And I remember I stopped seeing her because I was so traumatic and I was so upset. I ended up going to see Bev Delashment years later. And I remember talking to Bev about the stuff with Tim and being so confused. And I remember her telling me, like, Oh, like, don't you think we were confused too? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, nobody knew. And this was before the time that, like, a year after I hung out with my brother and I found out that he knew all the stuff that had been happening with Tim. He had called Tim and recorded it and had recorded Tim talking about all the stuff he was going to do to me and how he could get away with it and how like whatever, nobody could stop him. Da da da. He's Dennis's disciple. Nobody would listen to Oliver because he was Xenos trash. Um, So Oliver, my brother emailed um, all the leaders. He emailed 
Katie Downs. He emailed Bev Delasha. I mean, he he emailed everybody he could and said, I have this recording of Tim. He cannot be trusted. He's saying he's going to do this stuff to my little sister. No one responded to him. Mm. And that was that was 10 years before anything with Tim ever hit the fan before anything was ever revealed about his quote unquote character and what he did like that, like forever ago, like before I had talked to Bev, when Bev was like, Oh, we had no idea. Like, yes, you did. You received an email (laughs) and you you just never responded. And Mm. like, I, struggled with having a voice in that time but I know that my brother reached out to Xenos I know that my mom reached out I know my sister reached out I know um a woman in my home church Claire Tucon reached out I know another guy in my home church Alan Everholzer reached out about stuff with Tim and being scared about what was happening with me they went to the leadership. They went to eldership. Nobody cared. Yeah. And no so. One said no, no one would say a word or do anything about it. No. Yeah. And forever, like, I felt like, oh, like, they just don't know. No, people, people had told them and people had fought for me for years that I didn't know. Um and fought for me to have a voice and they they did not care so what you're saying is it it, it really does seem to be in a, one of the one of the, in one of the most firmest ways possible there does seem to be a, a, a very firm uh, organization a social yeah. a, a social convention within xenos that when they're going to circle the wagons and absolutely shame someone to pieces in order to discredit them, they're going to mobilize from from top to bottom every bit of communication, every bit of social pressure they can muster. They can get friends to tell you that you're that you're dirt. They can get counselors to, to pull up emails uh, and 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 that that supposedly reveal what kind of a liar you are. They can have people turn their backs on you in the street. Uh-huh. Or, or refuse to have anything to do with you in home church, or, or, or actually, have, or actually, even want to even uh, speak with you. It, there yeah. is this, there is this firm culture, punitive culture within Xenos. That is, that is basically a, a sacred police, a star chamber of, of oppression within it that no one ever sees. Right. No, it's it's so invisible because it's so hidden behind all the 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 the, the, the great public images of, of the CTs and all the kids hanging on and on to the witty words of the of the summer institute speakers or or, or anything like that. It's all the, the PR that blocks all that out, and 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 you are left alone, twisting yeah. in the mold. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and um, I. Yeah, I look, I, and I can't tell you why you asked me, like, why I stayed, like, I don't know, because I, but I mean, it finally got to the point where I was done, but, like, I don't know, like, they, they knew, 
they knew and they had known almost a decade before stuff got released on the email line that he had been doing stuff um that he was that way and nobody cared and the thing like I think for a long time I stayed because I was like well you know I wasn't I wasn't clear in what I talked about and I tell everything and you know God's a God of justice and someday this will come to light like I really really staunchly believed that and I remember when they sent out the email that Tim had been excommunicated and they they talked with such good language oh with a heavy heart with a heavy heart we've removed him blah 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 because of sexual impropriety that he had had um there's multiple and, women in his home church I understand yeah his his wife's disciples. Um, oh, Tim had gotten married. Oh, yeah. He finally landed somebody. Yeah, he did. Um, and I remember after that email came out, I had, like, a little bit of hope that, oh, you know, it's finally come to light who he really is and what happened. Like, maybe some of these people will come back to me. Um, and apologize or just just even talk to me and absolutely no one ever did no one ever did yeah and that was i guess you'd really hoped yeah i really that was the thing i was hoping that when it finally came out like people would say they were sorry um and no one, like literally no one ever involved in the situation ever did. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And sadly, that's, you know, that's not surprising, of course. You know? No. Like you said, you wait, you wait with bated breath. And it's very surely they'll come to you now. Yeah. But, 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 uh, as you said so well in your, in your, in your text, your, the silence was so loud. Mhm. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody came. Nobody came, and nobody apologized, and nobody, nobody said anything. And I think that was the big thing that started to disintegrate uh, my time in Xenos, where I was like, "Well, it's finally come out," <laughs> um, and no one cares. Nobody cares. Like. They talked about, like, how they had gotten counseling for the girls he had assaulted or whatever, and nobody contacted me, uh, ever. How many women were involved, do you know? Did the email say to indicate what no. was wrong? No. It just said, no, it was it was very vague, as Zeno says. Uh, it said he had been caught in sexual impropriety with multiple women. Okay, so... Um, so multiple I, I mean, definitely is more than more than two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have yeah. Yeah. I have no idea, but yeah, they had like I remember reading that um and them talking about like oh with such a heavy heart and it was just like uh like I just look at those words and it's so gross. Like, oh, you have such a heavy heart, really? 
like yo like you never came to me you know about me I know you all flip and know about me because you all gossip like I know you all know about me yeah oh you have such a heavy heart yeah oh like oh my gosh it's so hard for you like it's just it's gross well, when, when when big wheels and cogs strip smaller ones, uh, they just make a lot of noise, and then they, and then it just stops spinning. You know, there's there isn't anything any, any going to be anything more of that. And sadly, that's that's about the same level that Xenos is. Xenos, like you said, it, it's it's a it's it's uh, not a church; it's a business. To me, it's yeah. more of a it's more of a of a, of a machine. It's yeah. well, it's well oiled by the blood and sweat and tears of so many people who, who, who it has turned, uh, turned into, into dust. Yeah. After years of trying to fit in, it's really yeah. sad. Yeah. So. They, well, they no, good no. people. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. They, like, it's just, it's such, it's they are such a gross corporation where it's like they get people who need something so badly and then they just use them and they just like they grind them down and like I stand by like um what I emailed you about where I talked about how like they profit from the work that people underneath them have done oh yeah yeah. Like that that's what they do. Like the leaders don't do anything. They just convince other people to do it and then those other people do it and cuz they want to follow God and they want to love people. And it, it's just this gross corporation that yeah. it, it just amounts to nothing. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. So how did you end up leaving? What, what, what was the point at which you finally could say you're not just done with Tim, not just done with, with, with the situation, but you're finally done with, with Zeus. What, what made you really start thinking there's got to be something better? And I, I, I need to go find it. Um, I mean, I had been thinking about that. Like, I had thought about that off and on for years. And then <laughs> I was married at that point. Um, and... I don't know, like, my relationship with my husband was, I would say, he would probably not say, but I would say it was very abusive. Like, he, um, no, no. I, and I, like, I don't even know. Like, he, quote, unquote, had a sleep disorder, but it was never identified by a doctor um, where he would for sex on me or molest me or say really graphic stuff to me or be physically abusive. Um, and he never sought any kind of help or went to a doctor or like ever pursued that, um, with me telling him that this was going on. Like I slept on, uh, like a pallet on in the living room floor for years off and on because I was so afraid to sleep with him um and he like he just wouldn't do anything he wouldn't uh cut down his drinking and that always made the sleep stuff worse like he just he 
would not change. Um, this is so a that, this is a marriage between in, within Xenos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were married for like seven and a half years. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that was going on. The stuff with Tim came out. Um, yeah. So it was. I mean, it was just all this stuff was going on at once, and I like I had just reached a point where I was just so. Oh, and um the website had come out before that with all the people's stories about how they had been hurt by Xenos and stuff. Um, Xenos.com, right? Yes. Excellent. And I, Great yeah, site. And I, I remember I read through that and I like wept when I was in Xenos. Like I cried. I was so upset. And to see Xenos's response to that where they were basically like, well, like, if you left, you can pursue it. I mean, it's like, it's Xenos's thing. Oh, it's always on you. Well, you can pursue us. Well, you can blah, blah. Well, you're just bitter. Um, to see Xenos's response was so disheartening. Um, so it was, it was kind of a combination of all those things at that time where I was just, I, I was so done and I, I was going to an adult group at that time. And granted the adult group is really good. Um, I really do feel like the leadership and my adult group were good people. Like I remember my, um, home church leader, he had found out about stuff that had happened with him and he came to me and he was like, I'll be a voice for you. Like, what do you want to say to the elders in this group? Like in the church. Mm, um, really? Yeah. Cool. No, he was, he was a really good man. Mike, Mike Woods. And I, I told him like, I don't have anything to say. Like at that point I was just, I was so done. Um, it didn't matter anymore. Which I think, I think he really tried and I think his wife really tried, which is a pity. And I mean, they're good people. Um, but I, I was just, I was so done and my marriage was horrible. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was seven and a half years of abuse, really. Uh, I was just, I had gotten to a point where I realized I, could probably not stay in Xenos and get divorced. Like people would not agree. So I left Xenos before, which I was already really done with Xenos. So I left Xenos. Uh, and then I made plans to leave my husband after that. Um, and I will say, I will say this. I did emotionally cheat on him, um, which I don't feel great about. Uh, but I know that's on my track record, which I'm sure is a thing against me and Xenos. I did for about a month, uh, before I left him. Um, and, I, and then I was just done and I was out. So, yeah, yeah I left, left Xenos and then I left Justin. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, now here I am. <laughs> How have you felt since then? Have you gotten therapy? Have you gotten help? 
I mean, have you gotten anyone to sit down? Uh, I mean, a real counselor to kind of work with you and share with you uh, to help move you beyond some of those dark nights of the soul? One that doesn't tell your home church leaders everything you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Those those (laughs) types. They exist. They're around. Like a real one. Um, There are real ones. Yep. They are out there. And they're worth the find. Were you able to find one? I went to two, and they were not um, well-versed in, like, uh, cultural abuse, or, like, being in a cult, basically, like, cult abuse. Right, okay, got you. Yeah, so they weren't, I mean, they were great people. They gave me good, like, coping mechanisms for, like, anxiety and stuff, but they just, they didn't have a category for, like, oh, I was in a cult for 20 years, and, like, in multiple abusive relationships, and that was horrible. Like, they just didn't, they didn't have that capability, so I'm still looking for that. Um, mm-hmm. I tried, but, what? What? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What do you hope in, 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 in dealing with this now? How, 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 well, let me ask you this. How long have you been out? Uh, maybe three years, two and a half, three, three years. years. Okay. Not long. So in searching for a therapist, what, what, what are you looking for? I mean, what, what are you hoping that therapy will do to help you with, with the Xenos component of it all? What, what, what do you think a therapist should be able to help you with? I just want, like, I want to be healed. Um, like, and it's, I feel like Xenos has been, Xenos slash dwell, blah, blah, has been such, I, it's just, it's like a black part on my soul. Um, where like most people don't understand, you know what I mean? Like most of my friends, oh yeah, certainly. Like they don't get it. Like I mean, I mean, it's like it's weird. Like oh, I was in the super cultic, controlling, awful thing for two decades. Um, I just, I just want to be healed from it. Mm-hmm. Sure. I want to find healing. Right. And well, that's that's certainly a life's work for so many people who've been in such extreme experiences like you've been through. And I certainly am, am grateful that you've been so open with us on that because yeah. that's and, and sharing out of something. Because it, I think in, in your sharing, you, you're just revealing just how utterly devastating uh, a place like that can be. I, I appreciate your sharing who you are. And who, you, and who you were, because it, it gives you context to understand exactly, you know, what you brought to the table when when you went to go looking for Zionists to shovel you out a, a nice warm meal. Uh, yeah. You br- you brought in your trust, your whole heart, your mind, your soul, uh, your body. You you gave it all up. You you offered to them what you thought was your very best. You're all. And it was so totally ripped off that this certainly the it was so totally betrayed and over and 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 uh, just just totally overshadowed by control and manipulation, harm and abuse. Yeah, it's no wonder that you know you you draw back into a shell and you stay you stay hyper vigilant, hyper hyper uh, protective of yourself. But but you but you you're looking toward a time which you can go back to. 
to you know, who I guess who you basically were before you met Zenos. Yeah. No, I finally feel like mentally healthy and like I like I'm so proud of the person I am now and like the friends that I have and the choices that I make. Like I don't know, like I'm really proud of where I am. Um and the people who have stood by me through this process, I know it's been a lot for them and a lot for them to even understand. Sure. Um, yeah, because yeah, they, they don't get it because it's wacky town, but. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm finally, I'm finally really, like I spent so many, I mean, two decades in Xenos so ashamed and beating myself up and trying to be somebody and um, just weeping, weeping about the person I was. Mm. And I couldn't change stuff and what was wrong with me. And maybe I could be more obedient to God and just beating myself up. And uh, I finally feel free. Right. Right. Free to make your own choices. Free to think for yeah. yourself. Decide whether something's right or wrong for you. Yeah. As opposed to having it shoved down your throat. Yeah. And and, 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 and you know what? I think you've, you hit on, I think probably the most important thing of all is that, you know, who you were before you really got deeply involved was, was just being a very kind, compassionate, uh, mm-hmm. caring person that, that wants to help people, that yeah. wants to see people helped, uh, that wants to bring some positivity in the world. And, uh, I think you're, I think you're well on the way. You recognize the journey. You recognize where you need to go. Uh, it's just getting there. Uh, may take some doing, but uh, I believe you're on the road. I mean, I will, I will certainly do what I can off, off the podcast. So, you know, kind of connect you with what resources and people we know. But, uh, I, I really want to really thank you for really opening up your heart and your mind and, and, and showing us what goes on behind Xenos is yeah. something that they will deny to the, to their last breath ever could possibly take place. But yeah. it's a reality. I would say that that goes on pretty regularly. I would be willing to say that there are scores of people listening who will never darken the doors of a therapist's couch or, 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 or call us or ever, or ever speak of their pain, but who, who can relate to everything you've just said. And, yeah. and and that, I think, is going to help a lot of people. And I, I want to encourage all of you who are out there, who are seeing that, to, to understand that, that what she's saying is very, very important. And that, that, listen, you have a right to, to your own life again. You have a right to be able to speak and think for yourself. You have a yeah. right to be able to, to you know, to, to consider, uh, you know, what, what, what faith is to you and what it isn't. You know, you have that right. And, and as a as a person, your choices are, are things that are that are precious. You know, as as a minister, as a believer in God, I believe God made people. Uh, he gave them uh, all His faculties, all His ability to 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 be to be like Him, not Him, but like Him. You have your own free mind, your own intellect, your own creativity. There's so much of the human experience. That, that calls crushed down into nothing that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that you deserve to be able to get a hold of again and walk in. I, th- I think that's so important. That's something I, I encourage people all the time to do. 
said, listen, you, you were born an original. Don't, don't die a copy. You know, don't, yeah. don't, don't be something that, that, that you were told to be or made to be, you know, be ready to, to just learn how to, how to walk through those choices again. And, and there's a way you've, you've come a long way, uh, um, Aislinn, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and I believe you're, you're going to press on. And I think, uh, uh, you're in a, you're in a good place right now. Uh, the sky is really the limit for you. And I, and I, and I appreciate your sharing. Uh, as we wind up here, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say in closing? Anything you'd like to say to anybody who might be listening? Uh, uh, anything you'd like to share? If not, uh, we can leave it at that. But I always leave our guests that opportunity to maybe give a, give us a few final thoughts. I was thinking about, um, and I, I don't want to talk about or talk to the people who are in Xenos who feel super justified and feel like they're right. Um, I want to talk to the people who have that little voice in the back of their head that something's wrong, um, who discount that voice. I was thinking about the idea of, how you wouldn't go to a grocery store to get fruit and you go to get grapes and half of the vine is rotting, but you still purchase it. Like, please stop agreeing to go along with Xenos just because your experience was good or there were some experiences that were good and you discount Mm. the fact there's a lot of wrong. Like, please listen to the people that have been really, really deeply hurt and the things that are really deeply wrong. And please listen to that voice in the back of your head because it's not Satan or whatever. Dinas would say, like, ooh, um, that's your intuition. That's, that's, that's your stomach and your body telling you something is wrong. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. Don't eat something that is rotting. Xenos is rotting. Yeah. Go yeah. for something that is fresh and clean because it exists. Right. So think outside the box. Yeah. Move on, man. It's you can do it and it's great and I am so happy <laughs> being out. Like you can do it. Yeah. You can, and there's yeah. a whole lot of people willing to willing to cheer you on. There's oh my god, lo- there's people. <laughs> there's a support group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're welcome. You can do it. People will help you. Like anybody will help you if you want to leave, if you need to move out, or you're scared about finances. Like people will help you. Yeah. So. Yep. We, we and, and those and those those are the places that we we definitely would want people to feel free to go to. I mean, you can email us here. Uh, we we can connect you with them. You can you can you can uh, call us. I mean, and we we've given our number out in times and so. But if you if you want to, just just please just please all those in Xenos right now who are listening, please consider what you've heard today. Please consider that this is the voice of a person. Who isn't, a, who isn't a temptress, who is just an ordinary human being trying to live their own lives when they, when, when, when an extraordinary and horrible things were impressed upon them by people who supposedly knew better within your own group. 
Uh, this, this isn't an issue of, of ungodly and, dis, and disgruntled people. This is an issue that really exposes something deep within the heart of Xenos that shows that it's, it is not of God, but it's, it's actually quite something entirely different. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.